following program is intended for mature audiences. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Let's talk football. Let's talk football. One constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Been a lot of complaints already. Bad language, smoking grass. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Virtual podcast, kind of. I'm I'm in. Yeah, stu- we need to figure out how to make this work on Zoom. Yeah, I'm I'm in Studio B. Josh is in Studio C, aka I I think you're bad. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. I'm leaning up against the wall. Yep. In in in, in the bedroom, feeling okay, not wanting to infect Studio B with whatever chest congestion that I have because we got games to do. Yeah. And. uh we got to finish up the season strong. Yeah, we got to. I think we got like twenty-one or twenty-two games left to call on the radio here in the next month, basically, and then we get into tournament. So yeah, we we got to watch our health. Even you know, I mean, it's you're not feeling great. It isn't COVID. You're just got whatever no. shit is going around because it's winter. And, yep, and people show up to work when they're sick and spread stuff around. Yeah, so yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, so here we are. We're uh, we got some stuff to talk about. I'll I'll lean it. I'll I'll let you lead it off as usual. Kind of do the normal all thing, right. and um, hopefully we since we're in different places, we're not talking over each other all night. <laughs> we'll just try and get it as best we can. We will start obviously with the NFL, and before we get to the playoffs, um, there's been a lot of interviewing around the league with. Uh, general manager positions and coaching positions. Chicago's got to do both. I haven't, I haven't checked on the Minnesota position whatsoever, but the Bears are just a little bit closer to where, uh, where we are. And I, I think I saw what, what is he like? Ninety-six years old. Marv Levy said that Bill Polian is the is the best guy that they could have chosen to lead the uh, search committee for the Bears. So I'm sure that makes you feel a lot better for the choices that they're making. Oh yes, I mean, I, I Bill. I mean, did Bill Polian buy the team too? I mean, because if he bought the team, I'd feel a little bit better. But at the end of the day, there's these people called the McCaskies that make the end decision, and he's just an advisor. So we'll we'll see we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I haven't. I don't think I've even heard that the Vikings have interviewed anybody. I mean, I, I haven't seen anything like on Twitter from Schefter or. Or anything like that, so I'm not sure what the heck they're doing. No, I haven't either. Um, I don't know who they're asking. I think they the one guy that I did hear about was only because it's the Packers and they wanted to interview uh, Nathaniel Hackett, mm-hmm. their offensive coordinator. Sure, sure. So that's that's about the only one. But he he wants uh, they want to interview him in Chicago. He's one of the guys that they already did. It seems like he's kind of a hot ticket dude. Whether he's going to get any of the jobs or not, but. Um, Chicago is casting a pretty wide net for a lot of these a lot of these coaches. Um, some of them are still left in the playoffs and still have to interview and stuff like that, so they got to find time to do that, or they're going to wait till after the season. But they they checked a couple of boxes. Um, I mean, I guess how are you feeling with some of the guys that are you know not not have the job or a front runner for the job, but how are you feeling with like the wide range of candidates that they've that they've uh, chosen so far? 
Um, I, I feel I feel pretty good uh, for the most part. Um, you know, they've interviewed one, two, three, four, five. They've they've officially interviewed six guys. Uh, Jim Caldwell uh, used to coach Indian Lions. Uh, Brian Dable, Buffalo's offensive coordinator. Uh, Eberflus, Indies D coordinator. Brian Flores, the recently fired coach from the Dolphins. Nathaniel Hackett from the Packers. And Doug Peterson, former Super Bowl winning coach for the Eagles. Um, they're yet to interview, but supposedly they're going to. Uh, Todd Bowles, the D.C. for Tampa. Leftwich, the O.C. for Tampa. Leslie Frazier, the D coordinator for the Bills. And Dan Quinn, the D coordinator from the Cowboys. So um, you've got a, an interesting mix of you know, five or six guys that have been head coaches in the NFL with varying degrees of success. Um, you've got you've got some coordinators that are that are looking for their first job. So, um, I mean, Caldwell's been to a Super Bowl. Peterson's been to a Super Bowl. Uh, obviously, Bowles and Leftwich with Tampa last year as coordinators in the Super Bowl, and Dan Quinn took Atlanta. So, you know, there's some. I, I guess these are the names I kind of expected to see, um, you know, the one that's not mentioned that a lot of people speculated about was Harbaugh. Um, it has been reported that the bears did reach out to him. I don't think it's gotten any farther than that. I don't expect that it will. What did I just see on PTI? They were talking that he was talking about with Michigan for an extension. Yeah. That's how this game works with these guys. I mean, you know they he, it's all leverage. Yeah, for sure. And and I'm I really don't think he's ever re, really even interested in leaving uh, college. I mean, I know we talked about if he was going to go, this probably is the right time. But it doesn't seem like he's that interested in going. And his his relationship and friendship with people in Chicago, I'm sure that there's a you know little uh, quid pro quo of some kind where the Bears act like they're interested and it gives him leverage at Michigan. Who on that list that you just read about either the ones who have officially interviewed or have yet to interview, do you immediately say, yeah, I'm good without them? Uh, the uh, I would say Doug Peterson for me. Um, I know he won a Super Bowl, but I think that was like probably the most flukiest Super Bowl winner, certainly of our lifetime. Um, and when I look at everything else that went around him and that team outside of that one year, it just wasn't good. So, you know, and Frank Reich, who was his offensive coordinator when they won the Super Bowl, has gone on to have pretty decent success with the Colts. I mean, nothing nothing spectacular. I mean, but he's always in that 10-win range the last couple of years. So maybe he was more of the brains than Peterson. So that one, for me, kind of jumps out of the guys left to interview the one that I have no interest in is Leslie Frazier um he's a former bear player so I know that you know that that's something probably as to why he's an interview he is a black coach along with Jim Caldwell they do have to interview a certain number of black coaches for the Rooney rule um and as along with Brian Flores as well so and Todd and, Bull, and, and Todd Bowles and Leftwich so they you know they've 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 got five uh, black coaches in in the mix as well. So and and I wouldn't be surprised if they decided to go that way. Um, I think that the McCaskies probably are worried about that and would like that to play well, 
even if it's not the most popular hire, at least they can say they were progressive, I guess. Um, I, you know, but the thing is, when you look at all these guys, Josh, it's like, okay, Mike Caldwell, he went to the Super Bowl. We had Tony Dungy's team, and he had Peyton Manning. Um, Brian Dable's had a lot of success the last couple of years. It's like, yeah, but he's got Josh Allen, and that Buffalo team's offense is really good. Um, you know, hack it. Okay, he's got Aaron Rodgers. Like, you know, how do we know here? Leftwich, he's had Brady. Um, so I, you know, I I don't know which way I'd rather go. Do I want to? Do I want a coordinator with like a first time guy with some freshness? Do I want um, a retread? I, 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 you know, other like other than Belichick, like who's the who's the retread coach that has all this success in their second or third stop? You know, I mean, I guess Bruce Arians, you could say, but like, dude, Tom Brady fell in his lap. You know, yep. I, I mean, I don't know. It just seems like these guys that get hired two and three times, as they keep getting hired, their success rate goes down. Well, I guess you can't really judge somebody unless they have a track record of going somewhere. And much like the college thing, turning an organization around when you start from the bottom. And it, I guess the difference for me, and like, I don't care who they hire as coach. It doesn't make a difference to me. I know you have your preference if you want a defensive guy and then to go get a really good offensive coordinator to work with fields. And that, that makes all the sense in the world to me. I just don't get how the relationship is going to work when you hire a coach and a general manager separately that maybe don't even know each other and say, okay, now go build an award-winning or a, a Super Bowl-winning franchise. Like, I just don't get how you jam those two pieces together and say, okay, go make this happen. But, yeah. you know, we've already, been, we've, been, we've already been over this. That's kind of what you expect when it comes from top brass with the Bears. But, I, again, nothing about that makes sense, and it's just odd to me that somewhere in that hierarchy it makes sense to them. Well, and and I, I watched a, about a fifteen minute YouTube video yesterday of of uh, the Chicago sports show with David Kaplan and and Rogers' boy Hub Arkish, and they were talking about the exact same thing you just brought up, and they you know Hub did say, I guess the leader in the clubhouse right now sounds like Brian Flores, um, which is a little concerning. I mean, I know a lot of – everybody was kind of shocked when he got fired, but you're starting to hear some things come out now from his time in Miami that are not good. Um, he was really, really trying to dump Tua hard and really pushing for them to trade for Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, I guess he's has a – he doesn't play nice with others, I guess is the best way to say it. Um, so I don't – you know, and if you're going to hire a strong personality like that as your coach – first like now are you going to go get another strong personality gm so you're setting up conflict or are you going to go get some weakling so you don't have the conflict like i i don't know it's it's just typical it's just typical bears that's all i can say it's typical bears do and i guess i haven't paid attention because it really doesn't matter Unless it's a no name, I mean, you know, Mike Mayock got booted from the the Vegas Raiders, um, so I mean, he's out there. But it's like, who are the names that are being mentioned for the general manager? I mean, I would assume it's it's probably some guys that at least have some sort of a track record, or 
you know, waiting to make the jump. I mean, is that is that more of a concerning hire to you, or is it the head coaching position? Like, where do you rank those two? Well, the GM to me is the more important hire, obviously, because you're that's the guy that's supposed to be picking the team. Um, but most of most of the guys that they're listing, I've never heard of because I don't know I don't know yeah. every team's personnel guys. And you know, it's not like a coach. Um, you know, they've interviewed a couple guys from the Browns, their VP of football ops, their VP of player personnel. They've interviewed a guy from the Colts, Dodds, who just pulled his name out of the running now. Um, Jeff Ireland, who I think used to be the GM for the Dolphins, now yep. now is working for the Saints as the assistant GM. Um, the Bills assistant GM. Um, there's a couple guys, you know, Reggie McKenzie's on the list to be interviewed. Elliot Wolf's on the list to be interviewed. Um, a guy that Arkish was talking about yesterday that he would like to see the most is a guy named Omar Khan, who's been running, uh, basically football ops for the Steelers for the last 10 years. Um, a guy that they did interview a guy in house named champ Kelly, who was the bears assistant GM. Um, I did read today that there are several bears players pushing for him. Um, he, he's, he's a black guy. Um, I'm not sure how many black general managers they have in football, if any. Um, yeah, I don't know. You know, but uh, I did see Khalil Mack and a couple other current players were really um, pushing him as as a front runner. So, you know, I, I I know Reggie McKenzie worked for the Packers. I know Elliot Wolf worked for the Packers. Beyond that, I don't know much about him. Um, so. That's one of those, the proof's in the pudding when the draft comes around and free agency comes around. Like, can you put a team together? You know, I guess that that remains to be seen because I just don't know enough about these guys really to have much of an opinion. Yeah, I I honestly don't know. And I don't, again, whoever they come up with, fine. It doesn't really affect the Packers. They can't do anything about it. So you're just, I'm as a Packer fan just in a wait and see mode, but I will say that I am cautiously curious about you know, whether they can get that right. But as you have so noted in, in previous episodes that um, it doesn't, it doesn't take much for them to mess things up in the process. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess if they're going to hire an assistant, I'd like Dable or Leftwich. Um, if you're going to hire a former head coach, um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, kick and scream if it was Jim Caldwell because at least maybe that's just a short-term solution. Um, but, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. All right. Um, before we get to the results, I know there were just one kind of a minor Packer note before their game, and it's, it's been very uh, quizzical for a lot of the media members, is that defensive lineman Kingsley Kiki was released uh, today, and it sounded like it was kind of out of nowhere. He hasn't played the last three weeks. He was on the COVID list. He missed, missed the last game against Detroit with another injury, and then he was a healthy scratch in week 16, um, which, according to a couple people that I've read, said uh, is troublesome. And then he missed the next two weeks. And nobody that talked today, like they, they asked defensive coordinator Joe Barry about it, he declined to comment that he wasn't going to get into personnel stuff. Gudikins obviously doesn't talk to the media until after the season. Um, so 
I would just be curious about what that was because he was a starter and he was part of that pass rushing package um, with Kenny Clark and the, you know, and, and, and the Smiths when they were in. So I would, I'd just be, I'd just be interested in the backstory about that because if it, if it catches a lot of the dudes who regularly cover the team off guard, then that means there's probably a little something to that. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm sure we won't hear any more about it this week. Maybe no, maybe next week or something. But yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. All right, so wild card weekend. Thanks to everybody who wanted extra games uh, because we got bad ones um, for the most part. I mean, Tampa and Philly was a blowout. Buffalo and New England was an even bigger blowout. Um, the only one that was really kind of dramatic was. San Francisco and Dallas, I mean, since he wound up, you know, beating Vegas, uh, they made it a touchdown late in the game. But, uh, um, yeah, I, I don't – I have a hard time now believing that more is better. You and I talked about this on a road trip. Um, you know, it's the same thing that they're trying to push through with baseball. They're trying to increase because that means more money than what the deal is on the table for the regular season because then you can just print money once you get to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, I get it, but like we've talked about in numerous conversations and in different sports, just because you're adding things does not mean the product gets better uh, by virtue of it. Correct. Um, you know, this year we had Philly, and and I didn't even put the last, I don't know, I spaced out, I didn't even put the Kansas City-Pittsburgh or the Rams-Cardinal game on our rundown, but the... The seven seeds this year were Philly, who stunk. They beat nobody all year. They were in the, a terrible division, and then they get they get absolutely blown out in the wild card game by Tampa. Don't let the thirty one fifteen score fool you. It wasn't that close. Right. And in the AFC, you have a Steeler team who stunk all year. They beat nobody, and they come in and they play the Chiefs, and that game wasn't as close as a score either. It was. 42 to 7 I think at one point. And then last year we had the 8 and 8 Bears get in as a 7 seed who absolutely stunk and got their ass kicked in the playoffs. So three of the four teams in the two years we've expanded the playoffs that have got in as 7 seeds have been they've been shit teams. So I I think that from a competitive standpoint it is a massive disadvantage for the two seed to to have these this extension of the playoffs because they now have to play an extra game against a team that most years is going to be pretty shitty. And basically, you just have to try to get through that game as best you can without getting guys hurt. And then, unfortunately for Tampa, a team that's already got a shitload of injuries, their two best linemen got hurt. So I, I, I don't... I don't know how anybody can take – I get the economic part from the league's perspective, but from a competitive perspective, like I don't know how these extra teams in the playoffs is a good thing for the league, for, for the, well, I don't for the think playoffs. I don't think it's going to matter because the regular season ratings came out right before the playoffs started, and they, they were up 10% from the previous year with that extra week, even though we all agree that you didn't really need it, and a lot of people said let's just get to the playoffs, but – more people are watching despite the, um, you know, the less probably, you know, we went through the whole season not knowing who's good. Well, that didn't seem to bother anybody who was watching. 
You know, NFL officiating has been complained about all season. Didn't seem to turn off people who wanted to watch football. So, I mean, I get the complaints from our end, but all the numbers that stack up are telling the NFL that I guess it really doesn't matter because people are still going to watch. Doesn't matter whether it's a quote unquote better product or not, because people are still going to do it. And I think as long as, as long as the numbers start to do that, I mean, I remember when they dropped ratings dropped a couple of years ago and then they started actually worrying about stuff. But until that happens again, I don't think anybody's going to care. They're just going to keep printing money. They're going to keep doing what they're doing. They're not going to make any wholesale changes that they feel is going to improve anything. Like what, 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 what could possibly be pushing them to say, you know, we better take another look at this. Yeah. I mean, there, there has to be a tipping point somewhere. I mean, the ratings can't go up forever. Um, You'd think so. I mean, obviously, and we've talked about it a million times. It's, it's an easier sport for a casual to follow. It's, it's a weekend sport for the most part. Um, you know, other than like a random Thursday game, but I don't know, man. Like, if they keep adding more games, I, I don't know. At some point, it's gotta it's gotta affect it. But I I don't know what that point is. Is it you know? Is it a twenty regular season games and then like I don't know, ten teams in each conference make the playoffs that people are like, okay, I don't I don't know. I don't know what the tipping point is. But there's got to be some. Well, there's got to be one somewhere at some point. I don't know how many years that is going to be down the road or what it would be. I don't but know. all right, let's well, go to the divisional. Oh, go, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, you know, we didn't really see much of the Cincinnati Vegas game, um, but that no. that was from everything I've heard and read, uh, an absolute referee abomination, um, which doesn't shock you because. As I was listening to Simmons and Salen on Simmons's podcast, one thing people forget: you add an extra playoff game, you add another you shitty, another you add another shitty crew. Yep, and that was a shitty crew, and everybody knew it when they saw Jerome Boger walk out there because that guy's terrible at his job, and yeah. it was going to be a shit show. Everybody knew it, and it ended up being one. And you know, um, I thought it was. Hilarious after that day, the NFL already released a statement saying, Yeah, their crew's not going to work another game in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, don't worry, folks. I, that was This was a one I, and done. I thought that was hysterical and like really quick to say, Yeah, we're not having them back. But we, we, we got to talk a little bit about this Cowboy game. Yes, that's fine. I would, I would like to because I watched the end of it. I, I watched pretty much the whole game and. You know, obviously, everybody's focusing on the end of the game with the the stupid play call of the quarterback draw and, yep. and the controversy with the referee. We can get into all that, but um, is can somebody wake me up and let me know when Dak Prescott plays well in a big game? Mm-hmm. Can 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 because I, I I you know. I hear from people on TV how how wonderful he is. You know, I've I've had him the last couple of years in fantasy football. He puts up some big numbers, has some huge games. You know, in the middle of the season, in week seven, and shit like that. Uh, but you know, and he's he's great against the the Giants, the Redskins, and the Eagles, who all suck. But you know, 
He's, I don't think he's ever beat the Packers. Um, I, he's never won a playoff game. Like, can somebody, you know, like wake me up when this happens? Because this dude's making a lot of money, and he's basically a better athlete, Kirk Cousins, at this point. But if you compared him to Kirk Cousins, people would scream and yell at you and tell you how much better Dak is, and I'm not sure he is that much better. I would like to see a big game with uh, big uh, opportunities for success that Mike McCarthy does an outstanding job coaching. And I would be, I, I would be interested to see who wants to hire Kellen Moore after that. Yeah, yeah. Because he was a hot name all season long because the Cowboys were doing as well as they were doing. I think McCarthy was, I'm not going to say he was on thin ice, but he was in conversations about maybe this isn't the best fit or, you know, maybe he's not the right guy for the job and maybe we made a mistake and blah, blah, blah. But people seem to be talking glowingly about Kellen Moore, that he was like the next big dude along with Leftwich to possibly be in line for a job. But I am not hearing that after this game. Yeah, and, and, you know, I had kind of wondered, you know, if the, if the Cowboys, depending on how they lost, was that, you know, if McCarthy got fired, do they, do the Cowboys just promote Kellen Moore because Jerry Jones loves him and he's going to be this offensive guru? Uh, but yeah, I, his, the luster is certainly off of him a little bit. That's for sure. But I mean, you know, I heard, I heard an interview with Aikman today that he did down on a Dallas radio station and he was pretty critical of, of, of the, the game plan and he was just talking about like you know cd lamb gets one catch for like 15 yards and i think he had one rush and he was basically like single covered the whole game and and you know just talking about you you know all these analytics and you've got these coaches that they want to run their schemes and all this but sometimes you just got to look across and be like all right that that cornerback is shitting his pants right now and is praying to God that we don't throw his way where C.D. Lamb is. Let's just throw him the ball like ten times because he he said he goes if if back when I played they played that way he goes Irvin would have had ten catches at halftime, but that's just not the way these teams operate anymore. It, it just it's very bizarre. Well, I, I think there's also a killer instinct involved in that where. They don't have a problem going after somebody and embarrassing like that. But I, whatever the need is to spread the ball around and balance the offense, you know, to try and, you know, look at the analytics. Well, it says that we're going to have more success if we do this. Well, you're already having success doing the other things. Why do you need to alter the game plan? Like, I don't, I just don't understand it. And, and, and we've talked about this ad nauseum. Just the, the, the fact, you know, and I go back to, to Coach O's um, saying that, that I hear every weekend when it comes to high school football, and I'm still not exactly sure where it came from or how he's explained it to me that it works, but teams that overwork the BB. Like, you, you just have to convolute the game plan so bad that you can't see what's right in front of your face. You know, you can't, you can't see the forest through the trees. And if you were able to do that, you wouldn't be nearly having the problems that you are on a regular basis. Yeah, well, these coaches like to, you know, they like to show everybody how smart they are, and they out end up outsmarting themselves. Let Let me ask you this though: um, Is Ezekiel Elliott washed? 
why is he already washed? And why are running backs in general having shorter careers and now in an era where all the medical is better, you actually get hit less than guys years ago, but like all the great running backs from years ago played like 10 to 14 years and now guys are playing like seven. Like, isn't that kind of strange? I don't have any explanation for that. All the, uh, all the data would point to the contrary about the lifespan should be way more than it currently is. Um, You know, because there are so few guys like, I mean, I remember, uh, you know, one of the biggest workhorses was Eddie George. Mm -hmm. I mean, they gave him, you know, 25, 30, 35 carries a game. And he was, he lasted quite a long time. But by the end of his career, you knew he was done. Like, I haven't looked at Zeke's numbers. I don't know how often they've given him the ball. Um, I know he's had a couple of injury problems, but not much. But it's like a lot of these teams right now, and I'm not saying, you know, the Cowboys, a lot of them don't choose to have one stud running back that they just want to hand the ball off to every time. You know, they got to have their third down back. They got to have a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield. You know, they got to have different guys for these different packages. So you would think that the wear and tear on some of these guys would be a lot less Mm -hmm. and they would be able to last a lot longer. But like you just brought up, that's just not the case. So I don't, I don't really have any explanation for that. Do you? No, it's it, it's weird because, you know, you watch Elliot and, like, the burst is gone. And it's like, this guy's 26 years old, 27 years old. I mean, when Walter Payton was getting the ball 350 times a year in an era where there was 10 guys in the box and you could murder people, and he played till he was, like, 34, and was still good in his into his early thirties, and same with Eddie George and and Emmett and Dickerson, and I don't know. It's just I don't really know how to explain it. It's it's one of those things that I was just kind of thinking about the other day watching that game. I'm like, dude, this guy's only in like his fifth year. He should be getting fifteen hundred yards a season. I don't understand. So I don't know. Just thought I'll, just thought I'd bring that up. Maybe you had an idea, but it's kind of no, a mystery. I, to I me. mean, I don't. You know, the only. The only example I can draw from right now is the way that things probably work the best in the NFL is that you've got the Packers who have Aaron Jones who can also be split out wide, and then you've got A.J. Dillon who you can probably give the ball to 20 times a game. Yeah. You know, you're not afraid to run him in between the tackles, but you're also not afraid to do that with Aaron Jones, but you're not going to give them, you know, 25 carries. In, in one game, that's just not going to happen. Well, Especially and, and, when you got a quarterback like Rodgers. Yeah, and, and I know there's an Adrian Peterson and there's a Frank Gore, and I mean, those guys have played a long time. But for the most part, it seems like these running backs kind of hit a wall nowadays when they're around 27, 28, and it just didn't seem to used to be the case. Yeah, no, that's true. All right, you want to go to the divisional yeah, round? Yeah. All right, uh, we'll start with, Saturday games, which is Cincinnati and Tennessee, saw today that Derrick Henry came back. He took contact in practice. Um, and, I mean, obviously that spells good news for the Titans. I just – I don't know. Where where are you leaning on this one? Cincinnati's kind of been kind of been the hot hand lately, and I, I feel like even though Tennessee's the one seed, it wouldn't shock me to see the Bengals win this game. I'm leaning towards Tennessee. Um, the, I, I think they're – really well coached 
I think they've got a they've got a good defense. Um, they've got a stud in AJ Brown, and you know I don't know how much they're going to get out of Derrick Henry, but his his replacement's been pretty good. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, I just have a hard time seeing Cincinnati winning two playoff games. Um, I mean. They're they're good. They're they're going to be a team to be reckoned with going forward the next few years. But I'm not sure they're quite ready yet. You know, I mean, it's kind of the same feeling I had like with Cleveland last year when they you know they beat the Steelers or whatever. And it's like, yeah, but they're not beating the Chiefs. They're not they're not at that level yet. And I'm just not sure Cincinnati's conference championship ready yet. Okay. Um, then that night, Saturday night, Packers and the San Francisco 49ers. Um, I think, like we've talked about, if there's any team that is is built to have any success to come into Green Bay with single-digit temperatures um, and the way that they run their offense, I think it's, I think it's San Francisco. Um, again, this is one of those things where you make sure that they don't run for 200 yards on you like they have in the past. You make Garoppolo try and beat you, but one of the defenders I said, or uh, I listened to today in a press conference, I don't remember who they had on for the Packers, they basically said you got to know where Debo Samuel is at all times on the field, kind of like a Devontae Adams type guy. You just got to got to figure out what he's doing, but I think if they do that, Garoppolo's going to give him a turnover too. I think he's going to give him the ball. Um, yeah, I don't know. This Hopefully it's like a Bears situation where, you know, they run the ball 10 times, they get a total of 20 yards, and they say, well, I can't do that. I guess we'll pass. Or Green Bay gets up on them, gets a couple stops, and San Francisco is forced to pass the ball. Um, I think those are those are a couple of recipes for success. Yeah, and we, we don't know about Bosa yet. Um, nope. We don't know about Fred Warner yet. Both those Warner. guys got knocked yep. around pretty good against the Cowboys, and I mean those are their two best defensive players. Um, yeah, I, you know the Forty ers If everything's perfect for them, I think they they give the Packers trouble. But with with those two things hanging over their head, and and now it's come out Garoppolo's still got a bum shoulder. Um, yeah, I'm. I, I just don't see the Packers losing this game. I mean, like I, I was talking to a buddy last night, the Packers just don't turn the ball over, man. Like Rogers doesn't throw interceptions and, uh, they don't fumble, you know, like it's on special teams. Yeah. That's, I mean, really that's it. Like Jones once in a great while will fumble, but like their wide receivers rarely fumble. Their tight ends rarely fumble. Um, I mean, Rogers, has fumbled in the past sometimes, but he hasn't really had that problem this year. I just don't know how the 49ers go in there and win unless the Packers turn the ball over twice or, or the Niners run a kickback or they get a, uh, you know, a defensive touchdown. Something weird would have to happen. I think for, for them to go in and win this game. I just, I don't see it. All right. Uh, Rams going to Tampa Bay. I don't really have any idea about this game. Honestly, I, I, I don't. That's a long way for LA to travel. Um, they've short they've week. proven they, yeah, short week. They've proven they sometimes can't win big games. Um, I don't think this Tampa Bay team is as good as last year's team. Um, but in Stafford just got his first playoff win. 
And this isn't going to be Arizona. I don't know. I guess I, I mean, I would have to go with the Bucks at home. Um, I'm going with the Rams, and okay, not because I picked them preseason, but <laughs> I think that getting the monkey off of Stafford's back and winning a playoff game is going to help him immensely. I think the fact that they're going to play in a warm climate this week is going to help them immensely. And I think getting Cam Akers back, I mean, that guy looked like it, it, it reminded me of, of Tampa getting Fournette last year where the dude just hasn't played in, in 10 weeks and he's fresh. And he's just a little bit faster and quicker than everybody else out there because he hasn't played a full season. And um, that Tampa team is just banged up, man. I mean, they got guys all over the board, both sides of the ball, out or hurt if they do play. I mean, Tristan Wirfs, their their best lineman, he hadn't missed a, a snap in like three years. And like two plays into the game, he fucks his ankle up. And then Jensen gets hurt, one of their other better linemen. And I don't know if those guys are even playing this week. And, you know, Fournette, I think he might be back. Um, but I don't know, man. If, if Brady takes this team to the Super Bowl, man, I mean, that I don't even think he would even need to win it. I think just getting this, this walking wounded team that far would be one of his more impressive accomplishments, but I don't know. I it's hard to you know it's you know you never want to bet against Brady, and I'm not thank God I'm not betting. Um, but I don't know. I just I I have a feeling the Rams are going to play well in that game. Okay, huh? and yeah, I, I suppose I didn't take into account that offensive line banged up against that defensive front. Yeah, I mean you know you got you got Floyd and and Von Miller and Aaron Donald over there. And you got Brady who can't move. Uh, that's that's not a good that's not a good recipe for Tampa. Here, one thing I wanted to ask you: um, Could this be Brady's last game? Do you think he could retire at the end of the? I mean, even if they lose, even if they win this week and lose to the Packers next week, do you think he could retire this year, or do you think he played too well and that team's too good and he'll come back? I mean, you'd think if you know you can still do it at a high level that there's no reason to walk away. But a lot of these guys have had their reasons. We've seen dudes on, you know, tough teams that are still at the top of their game that just call it quits because they're tired of it. Um, but he's kind of a, but he's would... kind of a psycho, though. You know, I mean, yeah. and, he, and he hasn't, I mean, from everything I've heard, I haven't heard that he's hurt this year. You know, I you know, like he's got a bad arm or a bad knee. I haven't heard that he's been nicked up. You know, I mean, no. he probably could make thirty million bucks next year if he wants. I mean, not that he necessarily needs it, but thirty million is thirty million. But I don't know if he walked away, would you? Would you fall off your seat? Would you be shocked? No, because I just think he is where he is, and he has done all those things, and he's at the age that he is. And it, it it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me at all, I guess. And it wouldn't probably shock you if he played four more years and won two more Super Bowls. Either. No, it, it wouldn't either. No, I mean it's just like if things go south with the Packers and Rodgers, and he wants to play a couple of more years, wouldn't shock me either. Yeah. It also wouldn't shock me if he wanted to go out 
and the Packers win the Super Bowl, and he just says, all right, I'm cool, I'm done. That wouldn't shock me either. I mean, these guys that are in good shape and still able to play at a high level and have been proving it, um, yeah, I mean, that's, they want to keep going good for them. But if they're out there looking like Ben Roethlisberger, then maybe it's time to, to think again. Right. So, all right. Um, I think this has the chance to be the best game of the weekend, uh, the Bills at the Chiefs. Yep. I like the Bills. I'm riding with the wow. Bills. Um, I think they're going to win the AFC. And I think that's that's just one of those teams. I think they are, they're, they're clicking at the right time. Um, you put up, I, I mean, I don't think New England's a, that very, very good of a team, but you put up 45, 47 points on a Belichick defense in the playoffs. That's impressive. You score every single time you touch the ball in a playoff game. That's impressive. Um, I know the Chiefs are, are playing well themselves, but it's, man, who, like who goes it's three Super Bowls in a row? Like that just don't really it's happen, just- you know? It's tough for me in this one because we've seen both teams go through a lull this season. Yeah. And now they're meeting. So I don't I don't know who's got the ability to win that big game considering both of them have just won a playoff game. I just and in in dominating fashion. I just don't I don't know. You'd think that the edge would go to the home team, but we've seen Kansas City lose at home. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know that playing at Arrowhead is such a huge advantage as it used to be much like we talked about how um before the Packers playing at Lambeau might not be as big a thing as it used to be well and weather won't matter because it's Buffalo you know I mean it can be as cold or as windy or rainy or snowy as it wants to be that's not gonna affect that team um no I don't know I heard Cowherd talking about this today too he was just talking about the eight quarterbacks that are left and he was running through them and he's just like Man, of the eight, like, Rodgers has really got all the pressure to win the title. Like, you know, Joe Burrow, first time, no pressure. Nobody has pressure on Tannehill or Garoppolo. I mean, Garoppolo maybe has a little internal pressure on his own team, but that's it. I mean, Stafford won a playoff game. Not a lot of pressure there. Brady, of course. I mean, look at his resume. You know, Josh Allen, yeah, I mean, I guess maybe there's some pressure, but... In Mahomes, like I said, who gets to three straight Super Bowls? That's that's almost unheard of unless you're Tom Brady. It's, it's right. really, really. A, I mean, it's kind of a it's kind of title or bust for for Rodgers and the Packers the way it's kind of shaped up here. I'd agree with that. I I would agree. And with I that. know you love that. I know that. I know you love those no. those those like definite ultim, ultimatum gotta win or, or else you're a piece of crap you love that stuff man that's all you <laughs> you know that's those are the those are the tv shows and the articles that i watch and read yeah for sure yeah you and skip you, you guys oh you, you guys got it down <laughs> so, um, who, so who do you have so i i got i got tennessee i got the home teams on saturday and the road teams on sunday I'm going to go with Cincinnati and Green Bay, and then I'm going to go with Tampa and Buffalo. All right. All right, good deal. Those are my picks. A couple of road wins in the AFC. Um, And then the home teams win in the NFC. I like it. We'll see. I'd I'd like to see Cincinnati in the AFC title game. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah. 
Yeah, why not? Yeah. All right. Um, before I rest my voice and turn it to huge for the NBA stuff, um, and I'll just chime in. Um, one thing that happened with the Badgers today is they got they went to the transfer portal already. They got a couple of guys from UCLA. They're both coming to Madison. I saw that. Um, yeah. One is, yeah, one is from Illinois, I think, and I think that's the freshman wide receiver who played a lot, didn't have a catch, um, but he's a big dude. And he's a young guy, and wide receiver is going to be a, a position of a lot of turnover for the Badgers. And then another dude, they're going to have to replace their entire secondary. And he started, I think, 16 games in three years um, for them. He's only got one season left, but he sounds like he's going to probably and immediately uh, be an entrenched starter hmm. um, as soon as he comes in. So a couple of positions of need. Packers went out and got uh, got some dudes at the at the portal. I don't know how good they are. But I know they need they need help at both of those places. How uh, how was UCLA this year? Were they all right? I don't Chip, know. That's Chip, a good Kelly, question. Chip Kelly's their coach, right? I, I yeah. think. Yeah, I, I think I yep. remember. I think they made a decent bowl, maybe. But UCLA football. I'm not sure how much they were competing for the Pac-10 or or anything no. like that, but. Just just going to the uh, just going to the Google machine here and decisions after the draft, blah blah blah. All I want to see is how well it just shows the they damn did. Yeah, no, we got a, their Wikipedia. They're in the Pac twelve and they did this. All right, so Pac twelve standings. They're not in the north. They finished third in the south. Uh, they were eight and four overall, six and three in the league. Tied with Arizona State, okay. who the Badgers played. So the kid that plays um, in the in the secondary, I mean, at least he wasn't playing on a rat team. He was at least on a decent team, right? Yes, that's what that's what it would look like to me. Good. So, all right, you can take it away for the Buck stuff. I'm just going to kind of take yeah. a back seat unless I want to chime in with something. All right, uh, Bucks are 27 and 19. Currently, sit fifth in the East. Uh, but they're only two games out of first. There's a big-time logjam at the top of the East right now with five or six teams. Um, last week, they destroyed Golden State on Thursday. I think they were up 40 at half, 37 at half, something like that. End up winning by uh, 20. Um, lose at home again to Toronto. They, I don't know what it is about Toronto and the Bucks. The Bucks just they just struggle with them. I don't know what it is. They cannot guard Pascal Siakam. It seems like every time they play, he has 30. Um, so the Bucks lose at home to them by seven. And then on Martin Luther King Day on Monday afternoon, they played down in Atlanta, led virtually the entire game, and then melted down in about the last six minutes, couldn't make a shot, and lose that game by seven. So um, what are my takeaways from all of that? They're dying for Drew Holiday to come back. Um, they desperately miss his defense on the perimeter against these uh, elite guards, and they're desperately in need of his decision-making and ball handling at the end of games. Um, the last two games combined, Giannis and Middleton have a combined 20 turnovers. That would be in the Toronto loss and the Atlanta loss. Middleton had eight by himself on Monday um, and like three or three or four really just pretty careless bad ones in the fourth quarter when when Atlanta was making their run um you know just 
it's a lot of pressure on those guys. And I mean, as as good as Giannis is at everything, he's not a guard. Um, you know, he him initiating the offense is okay some of the time, but you don't want to have to rely on it all the time because we saw that a couple years ago in the playoffs, teams just build up a wall, and if the shooters aren't making shots, that's not much of an offense. So um, they really, really need Holiday back. It, he's questionable for tonight. I'm not sure if he's playing. Um, the Bucks are in Memphis tonight against a red-hot Grizzlies team. Uh, they got the Bulls Friday at home and the Kings Saturday at home. It'll be the first time they finally get to play Chicago, so that'll be interesting. Uh, but... Hey man, we're you know we're forty five, forty six games into the season. Um, we're approaching the last week of January. Uh, once they get Holiday back, it's time to kick it in gear and uh, and make a run to the top of the conference uh, because it, it's it's there for the taking. Somebody's got to grab it, and you know the Bucks are in in pretty good shape to do that. It was pretty funny today on ESPN. I saw a clip of. Um, Stephen A. Smith and Jay Williams this morning um, talking about the Bucks Grizzlies tonight. And the topic was, who would you rather have right now for this playoff run, Giannis or Ja Morant? And Stephen A. Smith hilariously and pretty predictably goes with Ja Morant. And, I mean, Jay Williams, I think, just wanted to laugh him out of the room. But... Um, it's just pretty funny that even after multiple MVPs, Defensive Player of the Year, a title, Finals MVP, 50-piece in the clinching game, that Giannis is disrespected for a third-year kid who's never won a playoff game and is having a nice regular season. So just thought I'd now, throw that in there. What do you make of that? Is that just national media being stupid? Or is that Stephen A. Smith just being a clown? Or, like, is that... Do you think is that's a league-wide opinion? Hell that, no. John Morant's now just like, you know, the the, 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 the trendy guy to say that is going to be awesome or the, has the shine worn off of Giannis? Like, why why is that a thing? Well, listen, John Morant has been phenomenal this year. He's in the MVP consideration. He is going to be a superstar in this league for the next decade. I am not knocking John Moran at all, but today, not even in the same stratosphere. And I don't, yeah, I don't know if this is like the producer telling Stephen A to pick one guy and Jay Williams to pick the other and fight about it for five minutes. Um, I think Stephen A. Smith, because he kind of does it with Jokic and he does it a little bit with Luka, he, I just don't think he's a big fan of the European guys myself. And then you factor in that guys like Giannis and Jokic play in small markets that he doesn't want to go to. It, I, I think it's just kind of that simple, but um, I don't know. I just find that stuff kind of funny that after everything the Bucks have done the last couple of years and the success they've had, that people still disrespect them that way. But it is what it is. Well, you mentioned the Bulls, that the Bucks are going to play them for the first time. And I know you had mentioned this uh, either last week or the week before because Chicago was at the top of the Eastern Conference. And you're starting to see them, and I'm, I'm seeing it when I read their scores in the morning. They're starting to play a few more tough teams, and they're not doing as hot as they used to be. Yeah, they played the Nets in Chicago and got destroyed. 
They played Golden State the day after the Bucks destroyed Golden State, and Golden State destroyed the Bulls in Chicago. Um, they've lost four in a row. Uh, now Zach Levine did get he did leave. I think it was the Golden State game with a knee injury. Everything yeah. came back clean. Not sure how long they'll sit him for. Uh, not sure if he'll be back Friday for the Buck game. But yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes you're a function of the schedule, and I think I do. I think the the Bulls are a good team. Uh, but you know when they were 15 games over 500, winning the East, um, I'm not sure they were quite that good. So they're they're coming back to, back to earth a little bit. Um, Kevin Durant out six to eight weeks with a knee injury that he suffered. That's pretty huge. Yeah, and when you factor that in with Kyrie only playing half the time, um, that really puts a lot of burden on a rather chubby James Harden. Um, and a Nets team that I'm not sure after their big three, they got a very good team. Um, we're going to find out here in the next six weeks. But that's why I talk about with the Bucks. You know, the Bulls are going to come back to earth a little bit. No Durant, part-time Kyrie, and, and a young Cleveland team who, you know, while they're playing, well, I'm not sure they can sustain it. Right now, if the Bucks can get their guys back and get hot, it's them in Miami kind of going for that one seed. Um, so we'll, we'll, you know, we'll keep our eye on that. Um, the Lakers continue to struggle. They're sitting at 500. I think they're the seventh seed in the West right now. Um, so of course, when a general manager goes out and and by because of LeBron's request and trades young guys for Anthony Davis and draft picks for Anthony Davis lets all of their young guys go, and then brings in Russell Westbrook, that it must be the coach's fault. So we got to put Frank Vogel on the hot seat now. It's his fault that these old dudes can't guard anybody. So um, Memphis, as I said, red hot, third best record in the NBA at 31-15. and 15. They've won nine of their last ten going into tonight against the Bucks. Um, I'll be very surprised if the Bucks win this one. But um, you never know. Maybe uh, if they get Holiday back, he can put the clamps on Ja. And then last thing in the NBA, um, on a podcast the other day, a a minority owner for the Warriors, uh, he owns about 10% of the team, um, this, this Indian-named guy, um, made some comments about China and, you know, I, I don't want to get into political stuff too much but the whole Uyghurs the Uyghur Muslims that are apparently enslaved and in concentration camps in China he went on this podcast and said that he doesn't care and that nobody cares and that we don't need to care about it and uh, took some took some obvious heat for uh, for that there's some people calling for him to get um, some kind of punishment possibly get booted from his 10% ownership you know, similar to the Donald Sterling thing. Um, I don't think anything will happen to this dude because of the people that run the NBA and, and the relationship with China. But I just thought it was uh, an interesting controversy where, uh, you know, a rich guy goes on a podcast and sticks his foot in his mouth. So I thought it was kind of funny. It doesn't seem like anybody uh, learns from the previous time that something like this happened. No, it's okay to turn an interview down or to not answer a question. It's it's okay. Right. Like, I don't want to get into that. Okay, yeah. next question. Yep. You know. 
All right. You got anything else on the NBA? No. no that's it. That's all she's got. All right. All she. All she. I said uh, all she's got. All. All she said. All she. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I'm not even drinking. What is going on? Uh, college hoops, real quick, because uh, Marquette's going to get underway here in just a second. Um, at Villanova, Badgers uh, jump to number eight. So they're up five spots. They're a top ten team. They're tied for first in the Big Ten. Um, they've won seven in a row, and they've won seven in a row against Northwestern with that victory on uh, Wednesday night. They've knocked off Maryland. They got Ohio State at home. And now they have Michigan State on Friday at the Kohl Center. So my question, I guess, to you is, how legit is this Badgers team to do something um, as far as winning the Big Ten? And uh, do they have some some stuff, what it takes to make some noise in the tournament? Well, um, I, I, I do think they're a legitimately good team. Um, I think they're going to, along with Illinois and and Michigan State, I think they are going to compete for the title for the Big Ten. And I think they could win it um, and, and throw Purdue in there. I don't think anybody's head and shoulders above the other. Um, you know, as far as the tournament goes, hard to say yet. Um, you know, they're still relying on some young guys and some inexperienced guys right now. They've got a few guys. You know, Brad Davidson's been playing some of the best basketball he's played since probably his freshman year. Um, can he keep that up all year? I don't know. You know, Tyler Wall, who struggled for a while early in the season, has put together three or four really good games in a row. Um, is that an aberration, or is or is he going to be able to continue that? So, I, you know, I'm not sure what March is going to hold. Um, anytime you've got a guy like Johnny Davis who him who can throw in thirty, um, you, you got a shot in the tournament in a one game scenario. But I don't know. Uh, we'll we'll have to see how the rest of the Big Ten plays out if they can stay healthy and and uh, you know this Chucky Hepburn kid that's their point guard. You know he he's starting to assert himself a little more and and um, he's not a a big time scorer. But you know if he's getting you. You know, if you're getting if you're getting Davis is getting you twenty, twenty two, Davidson's throwing in twelve to fifteen, and Hepburn's throwing in twelve, and Wall's throwing in twelve. I mean, you know, shit, you're up over sixty points already. So they're they're a good team. They're they're going to be a tough team to, for for everybody to beat going down the stretch. All right, uh, right now, uh, bracketology is all also getting talked about, and they have uh, the Badgers as high as a three seed. You mm-hmm. think that? You think that's a decent place? Well, I mean, I think it's earned at this point, considering their record and who they've beaten. Um, you know, I, I think they're probably going to be somewhere between a three and a five. I don't think they can get onto that two line. I mean, they'd really have to go on a big time run and you know win the win the conference and maybe the conference tournament also. Um, but yeah, I, I think they're they're kind of right in that that range of where they'll probably end up. All right, uh, you can take it away from Marquette. I know they've had some success, and you were kind of hoping that they would be because they're against a, a string of pretty good opponents. Yeah, they're uh, they're up to twelve and six, four and three in the Big East. They're sitting in fifth right now. They've won four in a row. Um, they destroyed sixteenth ranked Providence at home by thirty. 
they went on the road, beat Georgetown by 30. Boy, they're bad. Patrick Ewing, man, I, I don't know how much longer he's going to be able to hang on to that one. Um, beat DePaul at home the other night by 11, and then uh, beat Seton Hall by one uh, with a late free throw on Saturday afternoon. They were ranked 20 at the time. So two ranked wins, um, four Big East wins here uh, in a row. It's a nice little run for them to get on. Um, at Villanova, number 11, Nova tonight. Home for number 20, Xavier, on Sunday. And tonight will be game two of seven ranked opponents in a row for Marquette. So Man. winning on Saturday at home against Seton Hall was, was, a, was a really big win for them because this stretch they got coming up, I mean, I told you if they went three and four out of these seven, I'd be ecstatic. Right. So, um. And then Justin Lewis, their sophomore uh, forward, I, I read the other day. Right now, he's leading the NCAA in points versus ranked teams. Um, that's kind of, that's a that's an impressive stat, you know, against the best competition. Uh, I've never, I've never play. heard that. Yeah, I know. I've never heard. I've never heard that stat before. But that's something to actually. That's actually something to notice. Well, and it it tells you that he steps up against the the in the big games, and it also tells you they played a lot of good teams which will bode well for them when it comes time to decide whether or not they're a tournament team. And then they have they have Marquette getting into the tournament. Yeah, I was a little surprised. Uh, it was updated yesterday, uh, Lenardi's bracketology, and, and he had him as a 10 seed. So uh, I, I was I was a little surprised they were that high. I mean, they do they do have, I think, three top 25 wins. Um you know, granted they beat Illinois without their their big man Cockburn, but um, it still counts. And um, yeah, I'm I'm I I told you before the season started if these guys were even in the mix, I would be very very pleased. And it appears that they're going to be in the mix, so should be fun to right. watch both of these teams here the next six weeks as we as we head into March. All right. Well, I don't have anything else. Um, I'm going to go drink some honey lemon water. I've uh, taxed my voice probably more than I should have, and I know we got a game tomorrow night, so yeah, um, man. I'm going to try and try and rest it up. But uh, sorry, I couldn't be there in person. A little under the weather. We'll try and uh, we'll try and figure that out for next week. Yep, it's all good. We uh, we were able to make do here, and um, you know it's it's not the ideal situation, but we always seem to figure out a way to make it work. And yeah, rest up, rest the voice. Tell wifey you can't talk to her tonight, and. Uh, you know, we'll we'll get ready for the couple games we got this weekend. So uh I guess yep. on that note I'm I'll leave sure it. that's gonna go over well. Yeah, I'll we'll leave it at that. So uh All right, buddy. Yeah, as you always say, tell your friends we appreciate it. I'm Dan. I'm Josh. And we'll see you next week. Go Bucks! <laughs>